Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live to see it, friends, and welcome to the world transformed. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil, how are you? Well, I am super fantastic. How are you doing, my friend? Man, I'm great and excited about the topic today. Um, yeah, terraforming Mars, that's that's always a fun one to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, we just did the Star Trek replicator, so we're kind of on a little bit of a theme here. We're talking about technologies that are leaping from science fiction into the real world, the rep and the kind of out there technologies too, kind of magical sounding distant future technologies. The replicator has always seemed like something way out there, but oddly enough, we do seem to be closing in on it. Now here's another one from, I think almost from a more optimistic era of science fiction, a more big picture looking at making big changes kind of era of science fiction. Let's go out into space. We'll find a planet. It's in the right place regarding where the sun is. It's got the space we need, and we'll just make it like Earth. We will re-engineer an entire planet and make it like Earth. Well, that's always been a possibility that's way out there in the distant future, but is it something we could ever really do? Well, now that we're in an era where we've got at least some people seriously talking about sending people to Mars, establishing a settlement on Mars, terraforming comes into the conversation. We've got this great story from our buddy Brian Wong over at Next Big Future, terraforming Mars in 50 years with large orbital mirrors, bacteria, and factories. And let's talk about this. So according to Brian, it's a pretty simple, pretty straightforward process, right? He's, he's, you know, <laughs> the, the steps required uh, to do this are huge and are quite an undertaking. Uh, and we haven't even stepped foot on Mars yet. But we want a long-range plan. And I think it's not too soon to begin outlining that. And so uh, that's, kind of, uh, that's kind of what we're talking about here. I think so. I think uh, th- this, is, uh, this is the process, how, how we specifically do it, how we fund it, right, are all good questions yep. for another day, right? But this is, how, this is how you would go about doing it. What do you do? Well, you got to melt those ice caps. You got to get some water in play. And you want to free up what frozen CO2 is still in ice form. It's still in solid form on the on the planet, and you want to get that into the into the atmosphere. So you get a working atmosphere going on Mars. I mean, there is there is an atmosphere, but if you melt the ice caps, you can make it a considerably thicker atmosphere on Mars. Still not something we can breathe, but something plants can breathe. That's the idea. You melt the you melt the ice caps, and you get Mars to the point where you might be able to get some maybe modified plants. To grow there eventually. Lichens and algae first. Yes, probably. exactly. And at the same time, you've got to remove poison from the soil. So it turns out not only is Mars cold and harsh and kind of radioactive because the atmosphere is not very thick, uh, the, soil, the soil is poisonous too. So it's, we're, we're talking about a very harsh environment. Then you have to introduce warming agents 
So a good deal of time is spent on that, just things that are gonna help bring the planet up to a much warmer and more livable condition. Then I think you do some serious seeding with life. I didn't see that step in Brian's story, but that's, that's gonna happen at various stages along the way. And I think you're right, Stephen, you're gonna start, you're gonna put some lichens out, then maybe later you're gonna, you're gonna add some, I don't know what comes next, some ferns, some grasses. Eventually you're gonna work your way up to trees and you're gonna have a, a, a full-blown ecosystem. And a great, a great little side note, we're gonna build domes while we wait. But basically it's a 50-year plan for getting Mars from what it currently is, which is basically death, right? I mean, it's uh, Antarctica is Aruba compared to Mars, right? If you want to wow. talk about living, I mean, that's not even fair, right? Uh, you know, that, that gives Mars too much credit even to make that comparison. It's just a toxic, poisonous, deadly place, but much closer to Earth than any, any place else, right? That, that's kind of the, you, you, gotta, you gotta know what you're working with. But, but the plan here is you could, in 50 years, you could turn that cold, harsh hellhole of a planet into something where life as we know it, and eventually humans even, would be able to live. So two questions about this to kind of kick this off. Stephen, do you think we'll ever do this? Do you think we will ever actually terraform Mars? Yes, uh, to, to one degree or another. We will, we will alter the environment of Mars. We're, we're going to go. I have no doubt that there'll be people on Mars in, in, in our lifetimes, Phil. And, uh, and, and then we'll begin, you know, once we're there, we're going to, it's too long of a trip to just go plant a flag and come home as we did with the moon. You yes. got to go and you got to go and stay. And while we're there, we're going to do things uh, to to make the environment uh, better. And uh, one of the you know the earliest thing is you know like you say build domes and uh, just your immediate environment. Uh, but uh, ultimately, we we begin to change uh, the planet itself. And 50 years sounds optimistic. Um, I've I've read 500 uh, as F4 terraforming Mars, but. Uh, what you do is you, you do you do what you can uh, uh, in 50 years, and, and then in 50 years, someone else does what they can. So, you know, just uh, it, it's, uh, uh, it's an ongoing project. And maybe we never walk around on Mars without some sort of uh, protective uh, suit on. Uh, and maybe we're never able to actually breathe the air. It's too, too thin because maybe the gravity uh, cannot hold a, an atmosphere that we can actually breathe. But uh, if we can we can have an environment with minimal protective gear, we could we could walk around in, and that's you know that's a huge improvement over what we have. So yeah, I think people will we're going to go, and yeah, we're going to do something like well, that. It's a, it's a huge improvement over what we have on Mars, but you know, compared to living on Earth, it's still going to be pretty hard, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, and, yeah, and, and sure. we're and we're painting a pretty rosy scenario here too. I didn't remember to link it but I'll include it in the show notes. I recommend to everyone who's interested in this subject, George Dvorsky just wrote a long piece for Gizmodo on why we'll never go to Mars. Did you see that by any chance? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it's a bit of a buzzkill article, but uh, he's got some good points. I mean, you have to, you have to give him credit because he really outlines all the problems, but uh, will we do it anyway? Yeah, we're going to go anyway. Well, I think that's and, the thing. Uh, so if, if you're, if you're serious about going, you need to, this is your checklist, right? It, it, it looks yeah. to me like it's like, well, you've got to overcome every single thing that George outlines in this document. And it is daunting, okay, when you read his take on 
what we would have to overcome to go to Mars. And I think he, he takes that buzzkill approach because it's, we talk, we always talk about headlines, right? We always talk about the, the clickbaity nature of headlines. Um, also, George, come on, he likes to take that contrarian kind of, you know, ruin everybody else's good time. That's just how he is, you know? That's just how <laughs> I get but, but it raises very serious issues around parts of it that we don't ordinarily think of. First off, putting everything else aside, putting all the chemistry and the physics and the geoengineering aside, the economics of it is incredible, right? It's like, wow, just putting people on Mars, much less terraforming. Although Brian has some ideas about the, about the economics of it in, in his piece as well. And I think that's, it's like you have to look at those hurdles and you have to say, wow, that means we'll never go to Mars. Although I think someone back in the, call it, 15th, 16th century in Europe could have written a really good analysis on why we'll never settle the new world. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Like Way too expensive. Too far away. Yeah. You, you could have uh, made a pretty good case. It's not, it, the, the, the analogy is not perfect because people could live, you know, it was still the same planet and you could breathe and you could raise food there and all those kinds of problems that didn't have to be solved. But you could have made a really devastating case against doing it. And I think the, the thing is, if, if people coming into the situation had had that checklist, it would have helped them a lot. So I think, I think we're well served by looking at, on the one hand, how cool it would be and how we really truly could do all those things. And also looking at, here are all the incredible challenges that would have to be overcome. And I think the second question I have, will we ever do it? Stephen, I, I like your answer. Yes, we will. Of course we will. Should we do it is the other question. What if we find life on Mars? What if we find some kind of life on Mars? Should we then terraform Mars? It's the old Genesis question, right, on uh, Star, <laughs> Trek Star Trek II. Yeah, we, we always seem to come back to Star Trek II on most of these discussions. A lot, a lot, yeah. But it, it's the whole, what would happen to life that's already there? Well, it would replace it in favor of its own matrix. You know, Spock says very coolly, and McCoy just blows a gas. <laughs> McCoy just goes off. Yeah. <laughs> McCoy goes off. So, yeah, let me, um, so let me be McCoy here for a moment. In favor of its own metrics, you're talking about universal Armageddon. My God, Jim. Um, <laughs> do, well, is it okay for us to go around wiping out even very simple that aren't amounting to much of anything, you know, biospheres in favor of our own? What do you think? Um, I'm going to uh, take a controversial position, Phil, and say, yes, absolutely. It's fine. That bacteria, we can, we can, we can uh, catalog it. We can uh, learn lots from it. And, um, you know, probably we're just talking single cell life at, at best, if there's any, and, uh, we can, you know, do a, uh, uh, before we start terraforming, perhaps we uh, we go around and uh, we catalog all this stuff and uh, and and save it away in some in some uh, some bank so we we have have access to it later and then go about our business. Sometimes it comes down to what what's the uh, what what is the highest and greatest good that you can do with something and to leave it there as the home of a single cell bacteria. And and not be able to use it for anything else is uh, that's that's a waste of good material, and uh, I, that's that's the position I'm I'm uh, charting out. What, what say you, Phil? I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know that I have I have an answer. I like your answer. I think your answer makes a lot of sense. There's, certainly from a utilitarian standpoint, it's like, come on, we're talking bacteria here, right? But right. There, there is the well, that bacteria was going to evolve into the super species that was going to save the universe, you know? It's like, oh, well, we, who knew? I, although, more realistically, 
if we do find something there, wouldn't it be weird if it's just the same as some bacteria we have here? You know, I mean, yeah, we, we know this very easily. It could very easily be something that's so close to what we have back home that we're like, uh, I, I, we can't differentiate it. You know? Yeah, it's just so, it's it's a variation, you know, a Martian a Martian yeah. variation. So that would be one set of challenges. Like, well, yeah. we would want to preserve that. You know, it's like that's interesting. We'd want to make sure that that it still existed. But I don't know. Do you hold back an entire planet for that reason? That's a that's a tough one that that people will deal with on the in the future. Although it does raise another possibility which is rather than terraforming Mars, what if we just reworked humans so they could live on Mars, right? Uh, or met it halfway, you know what I'm saying? So it's like you could make well, something. Yeah, you, you can't, I, I foresee no way that you could take us as, as a species and make us fit for Mars as it is today. We meet halfway maybe though, you know, unless you turn us into robots still. I mean, you simply, uh, simply could not uh, survive on Mars as it is today. Uh, no, no conceivable version of a biological human could do that. But um, yeah, we, you could, you know, you could have a, uh, you, you could uh, have a, uh, a subset of Martian human that could breathe thin air and, you know, could get by better with uh, lower gravity, things like that. Yeah, you could, I, I, that, you could foresee that. that yeah, I think, that, I, think, I think that's a possibility. And if, if we were to do that, then it's possible that meeting, meeting Mars halfway with new kinds of humans, Martians, basically, right, Martian humans, you you might do that and not actually cause any harm to what must be some very robust bacteria or whatever it is living on Mars, right? It's entirely possible. In fact, yeah, it's, it's possible that nothing we did would kill this stuff anyway. That the <laughs> right, not even what Elon Musk is talking about. Yes, uh, well, we're we're, we're, we're we're I swear we're going to get to Elon Musk. I just I wanted to touch on one other idea before <laughs> before we go there, which is um, you mentioned robots and. Yeah. The, the other possibility around the economics of this and around overcoming the hardships of getting to Mars in the first place is that maybe th we don't have humans on Mars for quite some time. Maybe we do just have robots on Mars for quite some time. Maybe that's the way we get these terraforming projects going. Maybe that's the way we, we get the basic infrastructure in place with the domes and some of that kind of stuff, mostly through automation, mostly through systems that we send there that that put all this stuff in place, and then we show up later. It seems like that's that's one possibility. And who knows, the technology might be far enough along in 50 years, 100 years, where the robots could pretty much be those Martians. They could pretty much be us um, because of advances in artificial intelligence and advances in how we might be able to interoperate between humans and and machines. So I think those are those are all possibilities, but none of them quite as dramatic as Elon Musk's idea. Stephen, there it is. Tell us, what do you think? Nuking Mars, huh? Yeah, that's, and uh, of course, when everybody uh, uh, talks about that, uh, you know, it's like, uh, are you crazy? And, uh, you know, crazy like a fox, maybe. For, for, uh, first off, I want to say, it seems like everybody just overreacts. It's not like he yeah. said nuke the moon, he just said nuke Mars. Come on, what's the big... <laughs> Why is everybody upset about that? Well, and, and when he's talking about it, you see, I... I always pictured that he's literally dropping bombs on the surface of Mars, right? It, that's that's what I got when uh, when you say nuke Mars, that's what I'm getting. But that's uh, that's not the plan. That's not what he would have in mind at all. He's talking about a continuous stream of very low fallout. I'm re I'm I'm reading his quote here: continuous stream of very low fallout nuclear fusion explosions above the atmosphere to create artificial suns. 
much mm-hmm. like our sun, this would not cause Mars to become re- radioactive any more than it already is, right? Um, right. I-, I added that last part. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, so, you know, he's talking about just uh, throwing some nukes out uh, just above the atmosphere, warming the place up a little bit. It's a nice day outside uh, uh, today, Phil. Uh, there's, uh, they're, they're dropping some uh, nukes uh, above the atmosphere. Um, and yeah. so, uh, Must be spring. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. That sounds a whole lot less crazy to me than dropping a nuke on the ice cap, you know, um, which is, <laughs> I kind of I had the uh, had that in my in my head. And that's I've been disabused of that. That's not really what he has in mind at all. He's also talking about uh, putting out a whole lot of uh, solar reflectors uh, in, in orbit above Mars so that you can reflect that light back, you know, any light that's escaping from the you know, that's going out away from Mars, you can reflect it back down on Mars when he, when he set off one of these nukes. You can double up on uh, the amount of good, good uh, radioactive, uh, um, you know, heat that you're putting down onto the surface uh, just with some reflectors. And uh, that, you know, I, it seems like this is not quite as crazy as what I had in my head. The image in your head, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. I, to me, I picture Elon Musk as Slim Pickens in Dr. Strangelove, you know, just <laughs> riding the bomb down to Mars. And All the way down, yeah. Taking the planet uh, out, you know. It's like, if I can't have it, nobody will. I'm going to just blow the planet up, right? But, um, <laughs> and that's not it. And, and, it's, and it's not crazy, let's drop bombs on the ice caps. But it is a big intervention. I mean, there's no question. It's a big geoengineering intervention. And I think it swings us back to the reality of Brian's plan here. Right. We said here, you know, five easy steps to terraform Mars. Step one, melt the ice caps. Well, guess what? You got to do some big, big things to melt the ice caps. If you're going to, if you're going right. to a reasonable period of time, you have to you actually. Got a, you got a super deep freeze right now and you got, you're going to have to heat that plug up. And how do you do it? Well, uh, probably the, the way we could, the technology we have right now, if, if we had to do it, this is probably how we would do it right this, now. This would uh, be the way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I, I even like the headline. It looks like Elon Musk is serious about nuking Mars. And that's the thing. If we're serious about Mars, we're going to have to embrace big, dramatic ideas, you know, completely changing the shape of a planet or completely changing what it means for some people anyway to be human, right? It's that level of stuff. We have to take on something that some people very reasonably are describing as essentially impossible in order for us to make that move to Mars. So I think even just as an intellectual exercise, all this talk about Mars is good for us. I think it's a, I think it's a very healthy discussion to be having. And I think it's good to have the debate about what if there's life there? What do we do? I think it's good to have the discussion about would we send robots there? Why would we go there in the first place? These are all good conversations to have. I think Mars helps kind of, it, it helps us to imagine. It helps us to imagine what is possible using technology. It helps us to imagine what we might be able to overcome if we, if we put our minds to it. And it helps us to imagine what we might, in fact, ultimately become out there in the, in the wider universe. So I think for, for all those reasons, those are good ideas. And yeah, I'll just ask the same question about, uh, about nuking Mars, Stephen, than I did about uh, terraforming in the first place. Do you think, you think we'll ever do it? Um, hmm. You know, we're going to have to get past a lot of, uh, <laughs> we're going to have to have a lot of people uh, get over their squeamishness about it. I, I'm less certain about that. I, I think that uh, we're going to have to heat it up, and that seems like uh, one of the, uh, the best ways to do it. 
if we're going to terraform at all, we've got to heat the place up. And uh, I think like the best way to do it. So, yeah, I, I would say that uh, 6040 we do it. Okay, I like the way you, I like the way you backed into that. I like the way you talked yourself into that because that's that that's ultimately that's the thought process. Because it's like, yeah, will we terraform Mars? Sure, we will. Well, will we do this huge thing that sounds kind of scary? Uh, but ultimately, we're going to have to do something, right? If yeah, we're going to do it at all. Yeah, if the answer to the first question is yes, then the answer to the second question is well, so, either that or something equally big, right? That's the point. Yeah, and, and they were talking about diverting comets and crazy stuff like that. Actually, the nukes less crazy. You know, because it's scalable, right? You can and you can uh, adjust it as need be. Whereas, you, you know, you you b- uh, bombard the surface with some huge comet or something. Who knows what you're doing? You know, um, it's uh, compared to other things that we could possibly do. This is uh, this may be easier and uh, less crazy. All right. Well, I, I don't I, I don't want to rule out diverting comets as a, if it becomes necessary. But uh, there's I, lots of water in some of those comets, and that that might be a good thing to bring. In. I guess I guess my point is let's keep all crazy ideas on the table for now. You know, Mars is uh, yeah, yeah. Mars is quite a, quite a few million miles away, so we gotta we, we gotta we gotta have it all in play. Uh, Phil, I gotta plug the uh, the game Terraforming Mars. There is a board game Terraforming Mars that presents all these ideas in an awesome way, and uh, you know uh, you, you can really get into these ideas. And uh, you, at any rate, I, I do highly recommend it. It's it's a whole lot of fun and. It gets really uh, deep into uh, you know what what has to be done if you really want to terraform Mars, and uh, and, and in a way that you know you, in a way that uh, you can actually uh, you you can actually experience in an hour and a half, you know. So I like it, folks. Yeah. You want to you want to try out terraforming Mars for yourself? Play the home game, okay? <laughs> and, and I think we've talked about this on a geek out at some point in the past. Yeah, well, I think we did uh, about a year ago. So I, I still recommend it. Awesome guy. And while we're, while we're geeking out, while we're throwing stuff out there, there's also a really good science fiction book from a long time ago. Maybe we didn't know as much about Mars as we did back then, but it's called Man Plus by Frederick Pohl. And it, the, the basic idea is that meeting Mars halfway notion of a highly modified human living on a partially terraformed Mars. So if you're, if you're interested in reading kind of the late 70s, early 80s, take on what that might have looked like, good book. Okay, so you got a board game, you got a book, and you got the future of humanity to think about, folks. What else do you want from a podcast? Okay, I'm, I feel like we've done everything good we can. Good stuff, Bill. It's good stuff. Yeah, I, I feel like we've done what we can. All right, well, it's been great talking with you, Stephen. It's great having you all with us. We are going to be back very soon with another future-facing podcast looking at uh, other technologies that are that are strangely coming true look forward to being with you all then and until next time live to see it Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.